Welcome to On Work, a monthly Substack podcast about how people turn the hours of the day into books, articles, films, music, and more. I am fascinated with how people work, their routines, their rituals, their kludges, their hectic, scrambling dumpster fire days. I want to know how people make time to make great things. This podcast is about that journey and the many way that folks embark on it. My guest this month is Senator Paula Simons, a member of the Independent Senators Group Caucus and a former reporter and columnist who, during a distinguished career in that industry, won two National Newspaper Awards and six citations from that same body for her columns. She also hosts the podcast Alberta Unbound. Now, let's find out how Senator Simons works. Okay, well, welcome, and thanks for joining me here. I uh, am so pleased that you are are here, and as my second guest, our first guest was Elmin uh, Abdel-Makmoud, and, and we talked about the writing process. With you, though, we get to talk about both the writing process and, of course, the, in some of the uh, legislative process, and I want to I want to dive into this uh, right into the Senate life, but then I want to get into the journalism life a little bit too. But the sense that I get is that no senator or member of parliament, for that matter, has a typical day. You know that the days tend to be tend to vary according to the sort of changing rhythms and whimsies and exigencies of, of political life. Yeah. Is that and the so- case? Oh, yeah. And I think it's a great thing as a journalist, you bring to it the background of never the same day twice. Mm-hmm. And it was the thing I loved in the 30 years I spent as a as a reporter and columnist is that no day was ever the same because the news would happen and then you would go and cover the news. The Senate isn't quite that unpredictable because there's sort of a baseline rhythm. You know when the sittings are, you know when the committee meetings are. But within that sonnet form, there's a great deal of variation. And so... I'll be honest with you. When I applied to be a senator, I didn't know much about the work cycle of a Senate day. And people are sometimes shocked, my, you know, my friends in relations, when they say to me, well, you know, are you seeing things at the National Arts Center? Have you gone to the galleries? Have you gone to the museums? And I say to them, no, because when I'm in Ottawa, it's a very concentrated work thing. So, you know, you arrive, you hit the ground running, you're in meetings all day. The Senate sittings, you know, quite often go late, sometimes even till midnight. And then you start the day again, and then you fly home, and you have a couple of days to decompress, and then you start up again. And, and you know, when you're on the ground in Ottawa doing that work, um, is it primarily because I think most people just have no idea what in the inside of that chamber <laughs> looks like. They just, you know, what is it? We don't know what they do. Yeah. They're there. They hit the news and we kind of get a glimpse that there's something happening and then they retreat back into whatever they do. And you only seem to, you know, hop onto the register uh, when, when there's something newsworthy. But, you know, behind all of that, there's the committee work, there's the sitting work, there's yeah. the meeting with constituents and so on work. Um, you know, what what's the the division of time? Do you spend most of your time reading? Do you spend most of your time talking to people? Do you spend most of your time tweeting for like every, me? For, no. for every senator, it's different. I write all my own speeches and I, you know, write all my own op-eds. I write all my own tweets. So I spend a lot of time writing. Uh, 
I spend a fair bit of time reading legislation, reading briefing notes, uh, and I'm really grateful to have some some great staff who support me. When I first started, you know, I was a newspaper columnist, and I thought, well, I can do my own research. Why would I hire a researcher? That's completely ridiculous. And why would I have a parliamentary affairs advisor? I know what I want to do. And so my first few months in the Senate, I really tried to do just about everything myself, and that was insane. <laughs> so uh, now control freak that I am, I have I have let go of certain things and let people help me, which was a was a big learning step for me to just trust other people to to read legislation and help me crunch through it. But I probably still do more of my own research than is necessarily typical for a senator. I remember when I first started you know, you think that it's the time sitting in the chamber that is the job of being a senator. And I remember this wonderful um, staffer that they brought on to help us with our orientation. And she said to me after she'd known me 48 hours, she said, you're going to hate the sitting in the chamber part. Mm -hmm. You're going to love the committee work. So it's, so I, I pulled up my calendar for Tuesday. So because Tuesday was a reasonably typical day. Um, so it began, um, you know, I flew in Monday, Tuesday morning, first thing we had a transportation and communications committee meeting. We're studying Bill C-11, which is the online streaming bill. So we had the minister, Pablo Rodriguez, so the Minister of Canadian Heritage, in for an hour. And then we had another hour to cross-examine uh, senior staff from his department. So that was two hours. I ran straight from that to a meeting with the uh, rural municipalities of Alberta who were on the hill for a tour. So I had a half hour meeting with them. And then I ran to, um, I belong to the independent senators group, which we aren't supposed to call a caucus, but it's like a caucus. Mm -hmm. So then I had a caucus meeting. Don't tell anybody I called it that uh, with the independent senators group. Then I ran from there, had an appointment with uh, with IT because I needed their help to download my Twitter archive. Um, <laughs> then I think for I whatever had a half... reason, for whatever reason. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> just just, in, just, in, just case. in case. And then uh, I, I had a half hour lunch break in which I ate the food that I'd bought at Farm Boy the week before and had left in my office fridge. And then there was a Senate sitting. Uh, the Senate actually rose pretty early. I think we were done by five, which is not typical. Uh, but that meant that I had time to go to a meeting of the Agriculture and Forestry Committee, of which I am the deputy chair. So that was a pretty typical day. Oh, and sorry, and in between in between the end of the Senate and the meeting of the Agriculture and Forestry Committee, I went to a, a function, which I don't often do, but Via Rail was uh, doing a, you know, a ta-da of their new trains. And oh. since I'm on the Transportation and Communications Committee, I'm obsessed with trains. So I went to the Via event, but I don't eat or drink at those things a, because I don't like to unmask, and B, because the ethics officer has concerns about that. So I went, mm -hmm. I met some VA executives, then I did the agriculture committee, and then I went to bed. I have a question. Was the train on time? Uh, yeah, actually, the, the, uh, the train event was on time. <laughs> Uh, the trains themselves are somewhat different. <laughs> yeah. different thing, I have but. to say, I have to confess, I absolutely adore trains myself um, and use Via whenever whenever I can. We'll be using it soon again. Um, but I do dream 
of a frequent fast on time trains in, well, in this Well, country. this is, you know, this is what Via was telling people. I, of course, as an Alberta senator, had all these annoying questions for them about, you know, why is there such terrible train service in Alberta? Um, and so, yes, so I, I, I didn't eat any of the uh, spring rolls or samosas, but I did <laughs> exact my pound of flesh nonetheless. So It reminds me a little bit of uh, Thomas More. I'm not going to martyr you here, but you know, you know, a man. If you know a man for all seasons, yes, it's just not enough to be um, to be honest, but you have to be known to be honest, right? This was yeah. as King Henry said to Thomas More. Well, you know, and that is the thing that I hope, because of my life before the Senate, because I was an oversharer on Twitter, <laughs> which I'm still sort of quietly mourning with each conversation. Uh, I think. I think people feel that they know me. I hope they know that I'm that I have a reputation for blunt honesty, which sometimes gets me into terrible trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at least they know that I'm not disingenuous, even if I am sometimes impolitic and undiplomatic. Well, I'm sure they do. I have to say, I mean, I, I not not to flatter you for the sake of flattery, but I, I've said it before that I, I think you're a credit to the Senate. And I, incidentally, I, I'm a, a bit of a supporter of the Senate. I, want, I, I don't want to say reluctant because I truly believe it, but it gets me into a little bit of trouble because there aren't many on the left, particularly my, my version of the left, where you'll find uh, supporters of the Senate. But I happen to support it uh, be, because when you get the right people in the right positions, it, it can produce better outcomes but well, it is and, it, yeah. and it's interesting because i mean because I've, I've read your work you know specifically on municipal governance and how we how we run the country um but i don't think a lot of people are aware of the kind of radical senate reform that has taken place over the last mm-hmm. six years and has largely taken place without a lot of public interest or public pushback because we have completely transformed the way the Senate operates by the fairly simple tactic of having the prime minister no longer make patronage appointments and having all of the new senators not attached to any party or caucus. So you fill the Senate with independent-minded people. I don't want to say all of us, but many, I would say the majority of us, do not have political ties to any particular party. And you tell them to go be independent. And I think sometimes the prime minister must rue the day <laughs> that, that you know, he's filled up the chamber with strong-willed, independent-minded people who are serious about doing the work mm-hmm. because uh, we have become a much more interventionist Senate, a much more muscular Senate, a Senate that pushes back harder, that pushes for more amendments, that is really engaged in trying to do the job of making legislation better. And sometimes I think people are concerned that we don't know our place, that when there was party discipline, you could get people to shut up Mm -hmm. because they had party discipline. And now there is no party discipline. So what keeps us working is the fact that, you know, if you went through the list of new appointees and said, how many of these people are type A personality workaholics who don't know how to stop? I would say that probably 90% of mm-hmm. the people who've been appointed fall into that box. And I think sometimes for some of the more senior senators who came in under the old system, they would just like us to all slow down a little bit. Um, and, it, and it's tough because when you get there, 
you you do push pretty hard and you have to keep saying to yourself it's a marathon not a sprint it's a marathon not a sprint uh you know my brother said to me you know you don't have to get reelected why are you always campaigning well what it's transforming i think to some extent the image of the center uh, for some folks and you know because if you had asked people in the 90s and early 2000s you know what do you think of the senate if you think of it at all you would have probably called to mind the image of the florida senator yeah. Uh, a certain somebody who didn't show up for work particularly often, um, and that was a sort I thought, of idea. I thought of that the was Senate. that was Mexico. I oh, was think. it Mexico? It was I Mexico because I think because yes, I think the opposition right. hired a mariachi band <laughs> to, yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> oh so, my lord! But, uh, but it's it, I always get confused. Is it Costa Rica? No, that's the that's the uh, other guy. I, th- I, th- uh, I think I think he yeah, was I think he was hanging out in Mexico, saying Mexico. that he was ill, because of course. You know, I say to people that senators are a bit like high school teachers. So, you know, there's the high school teacher who's coaching basketball and the high school teacher who's running the debate club and the high school teacher who's organizing the, you know, the the annual musical. And they are working incredibly long hours. Mm-hmm. And then there's the teacher who goes home at four. Mm-hmm. Uh, most senators, I think, fall into the former category and are probably, you know, working far harder than I think most Canadians would understand or, or give them credit for. Yeah. Are there In their some... retirement years, no less, quote unquote. Well, you know, I mean, I'm a little bit younger than the mean. I, I was appointed just like a couple weeks after my 53rd birthday. Um, so uh, so there's some of us who are sort of late 40s, early 50s. I guess I'm not in my early 50s anymore. <laughs> I'm in my, my early, my early mid-late 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But, people can do the math. <laughs> but there but there are a lot of people who have just spent their lives pedal to the metal mm-hmm. in in this catchment and I think for some people one of the real frustrations I felt when I first got to the Senate is how long everything takes and how slow everything is and the fact that that slowness is a feature not a bug. I mean, we're designed to slow things down. Uh and for me, I mean, I worked in daily journalism. Mm-hmm. You know, before I worked for the Edmonton Journal, uh, you know, I, I, I worked in daily radio. I mean, I used, to, I used to direct the Edmonton CBC Morning Show. So, you know, I'm adrenaline junkie, the instant feedback, the instant feedback that I got on social media. So I'm used to, you know, come into the newsroom, do the piece, finish the piece, pieces in the paper, you know, not just the next day, but online that afternoon. So to get to the Senate and to see that everything is about gestation mm-hmm. and everything is about taking your time and everything is about being Zen. And I thought, wow, do I have any life experience that helps me with this? And I thought, yeah, the one that comes closest is, you know, when I was like the mother of a newborn and, you know, you, you have to, the, the baby does things when the baby wants to do mm-hmm. things and you have to develop some kind of Zen patience. Um and then hope that the baby will grow up the right way. And that's a bit what it's like working on legislation because we take our time, we do these things, we mull them over, we send them back, we send them out. And then, you know, it might be years before we find out if the changes we made to a bill actually made the difference that we thought they did. But, you know, this is this is what makes me, I think the right word is qualified, a qualified supporter of the Senate. And part of it is the slowness is an important part of our politics. In fact, this is something I argued in my book that, you know, taking the time to reflect on things is really important. Uh, and taking the time to say, for instance, to the government, you tell us you're going to figure this out in the regulations and later we'll figure it out at the departmental level. How would you tell us now? 
Or you say it's constitutional. Well, we don't believe you. We'd like to see yeah. the proof of it, uh, which doesn't really happen particularly effectively necessarily in the House of Commons, but it seems to be something that happens fairly effectively in the Senate. And so that work to me is, is awfully important. Um, and I, I do, I'm pleased that you're here today because it does help, I think, disabuse people of the notion that the Senate is somewhere where people go to nap because there's an awful now, lot of hard work going on there. Now, I mean, I, I confess, do you remember when Rob Anders fell asleep? I do, in, indeed. Yeah. In the House of Commons yeah. and I wrote a column and I made fun of him. Good. And there was one day in the Senate where we were sitting till midnight and I think I'd been up very early that morning and I felt myself dozing off and I thought... Oh, this is this is the karmic payback for making fun of someone who fell asleep. Well, there are cameras now, right, in the Senate? There, we know, but yeah. it's not even about because the cameras, you know, the cameras are not panning that much. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, it's bad form to fall asleep. But <laughs> honestly, the I think the other thing that people don't necessarily appreciate is how much of the time sitting in the chamber is theatrical. You know, and I speak more than most senators because, as I say, I, you know, I write my own speeches and I have a lot of opinions and uh, I probably speak more than average. There's some senators who, who rarely speak in the Senate. And then, you know, a lot of times you're just sitting there and there are procedural things that are happening and there's procedural wrangling and it can be, I mean, but that's not where the work is happening mm-hmm. for the most part. The work is happening in committees. Uh, the work is happening, you know, in the meetings, behind the scenes. Now, and of course, after COVID, two years of not having in-person meetings, two years of having very few in-person sittings. And unlike the House of Commons, uh, the Senate has not given itself permission to sit in a hybrid fashion. So you either have to be there or not. Uh, there is no way to do it online. So it's a lot of time spent traveling, a lot of time spent transitioning from one place to the other. And the actual work, I mean, it it all depends what you think the work is. I mean, is the work that I wrote a speech and gave a speech? And then, you know, my office clipped the speech and then I shared the speech on my YouTube channel and on Twitter and on Mastodon. Uh, Is that the work? Or is the work the time that I spent meeting with, you know, 134 witnesses on Bill C-11, plus all the private meetings I had with academics and lawyers and stakeholders over the course of two years, and then trying to bring amendments to the bill and trying to explain the bill. So, you know, sometimes the showy stuff is not the actual work. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got I've got two questions left, and uh, one of them pertains to this. I mean, we've discussed how you were a journalist for many years. And I'm curious about whether or not there were uh, strategies, habits, rituals, or skills that you find have become particularly useful in navigating your second career. Yeah, the ability to read quickly and the ability to write quickly. I remember once when I was a journalist and I was working from home either because our daughter, you know, I, I was a working mom. So, you know, I think maybe the you know, the kid was sick, and I banged out a column in an hour and filed it. And my husband said, they're going to pay you a whole day for that work? You like you that you wrote that column in an hour. I said, no, no, they're paying me because I can write a column 
in an hour. I mean, I, I didn't bang them all out like that. I mean, you mm -hmm. understand how a columnist's life is. I mean, some columns took six months of research and some were an idea I had in the shower, sat down mm -hmm. and banged it out. So the ability to write quickly is hugely important. Um, uh, the ability to speak extemporaneously. But most of all, I think it's the ability to ask questions because that's what reporters are trained to do is to ask questions. And so when you sit in committee and you have to, you know, come, you know, I don't prepare my questions in advance. I listen to the testimony and then I ask the witnesses based on what I've heard. So the ability to synthesize what you're hearing and formulate a question, just the way you would in a press conference, uh, that is probably my best magic trick. And it's a remarkably skillful one. You know, I'm so, I, I, you know, it's funny is, Whenever someone says that to me, they pay you and you write the thing in an hour, I would say, well, yeah, it's the skills I've developed over the course of, of a decade and a half, two decades that they're paying for. But the way you put it, I quite like. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, take that. And I'm, of course, I'll, I'll cite you. The, the most popular thing I ever wrote in my life uh, was a piece about Doug Ford. I thought he should resign. Uh, he didn't. But uh, it took me uh, 30 minutes sitting on my couch with a glass of bourbon because I had been paying attention for a long time, but I was just so full of rage that yeah. it just poured out of me. Um, now, I, I used to I work thought, with a wonderful well, publisher named Linda Hughes who used to say when, we were, when I was on the editorial board, she would come in in the morning uh, and say, so what are we angry about today? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes the best editorials and columns come from that place of anger. But, you know, I mean, I won a couple national newspaper awards for in-depth investigations into Alberta's child welfare system that, you know, in one case um, took us years of fighting for access to the documents. Uh, you know, it, so, I mean, lots of, lots of journalism is slow cooker journalism that you spend a lot of time doing the research, running people to ground. I mean, when I say sometimes, you know, a column was the result of six months of work, it didn't mean I worked every day for six months. But, you know, over the course of six months, I finally gathered all the strands together so mm -hmm. that I could write the feature or the, or the piece. But sometimes you're just inspired. Mm -hmm. And whether that's by anger or by joy or by sorrow, um, you know, I... I you know, because sometimes as a columnist, I was called upon, you know, a police officer was killed in the line of duty. We need something, you know, in the paper for the morning. So, I mean, sometimes you, you do have to really write off the moment. Mm -hmm. And those skills are still useful in the Senate. I mean, I I tend to, to write out my speeches. But, you know, the other day I gave one um, extemporaneously. And people were a bit shocked. But, you know, if you can write quickly, then you can write the speech in your head mm -hmm. quickly, too. But really, as I say, that's just showmanship. Um, the real, I think, you know, the real value that I bring to the Senate, I think, I like to think, is that reporters itch to always ask the question. And to ask the tough question and not, you know, not to mind if the person you're asking gets mad at you mm -hmm. because you want the information. And I really don't try to ask questions so that they can be a, you know, so that they can be a soundbite or a clip. I mean, you know, when I'm doing my accountability interview tricks in a committee hearing, it's not because, 
you know, it's not because I'm trying to score a partisan point. It's because I'm actually trying to get to the truth of things. Uh, and I, and sometimes it's, you know, the, the, I mean, the other kind of question I ask in committee is sometimes not a question with an agenda of any kind. It's just, you know, I'm honestly intrigued and curious. You know, right now, as I say, I'm deputy chair of the Standing Senate Committee on Agriculture and Forestry. We're doing a big study on soil science. And, you know, one of the things I always loved as a journalist was when you met an expert who had really arcane knowledge about something a bit, you know, unusual, and nobody ever got to ask, you know, they, they never got to explain their thing. Mm -hmm. So it's so wonderful. These soil scientists come in, you know, and, you know, we have one who's like an expert on the insect life of the earth of the boreal forest, and he cannot wait to tell us about his <laughs> bugs. And I'm so excited for him to tell us about his bugs. And so, you know, that's the, I think that's the other really great journalism skill is whatever the topic is, I can get interested in it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, I might not know, I, I'm not going to have an expertise in it, but you cannot be a journalist unless you're interested in all kinds of weird and abstruse things. And unless you can sort of gin up an interest on very short notice, you know, back in the days when I was a reporter getting assignments, you know, you get the assignment and you read it and go, oh God, that sounds really boring. But you have to be able to go in to interview that person and be interested and curious about them and, you know, and, and bring enthusiasm to the topic. So I like to think I was sometimes a high maintenance, I was sometimes a high maintenance employee, but I'd like to think that what my editors, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm put on trial in the afterlife, I would hope that my editors would say that she was never one of those reporters who was like, oh, do I have to do this mm -hmm. story? I don't see the point. I was always, I always tried to be the reporter who thought, okay, well, if I'm bored reading the assignment, how can I make the assignment interesting for my readers? I'd better figure out that trick. And so I think that is also a really useful job skill in the Senate, that whoever comes before yeah. us, you know, I got to fill in this week for a, a colleague who was away at a NATO summit, and I got to fill, on the, fill in on the, uh, the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, and they're doing a review of the Magnitsky Act and Magnitsky sanctions and how well they're working. And we got to hear from some extraordinary witnesses. Mm -hmm. Now, do I have any expertise in the Magnitsky Act? I do not, but I'm sure a lot smarter about it now than I was two weeks ago because I've heard from some of the best minds in the world talking about the subject. And that's, that is the gift and privilege of being a senator. You know, I'm not going to lie. For a lot of senators, um, the Senate salary is like an honorarium because they're independently wealthy mm -hmm. or it's a huge pay cut because they had high paying jobs. I was <clears throat> a reporter with the Edmonton Journal. So this is the most money I've ever made in my whole <laughs> life, uh, which makes me an outlier in the Senate. I have not taken a pay cut. Um, but honestly, the gift of the Senate isn't the salary and it isn't the pension, although that is also a useful thing having worked as a journalist uh, and not having had one of What's those a pension? things. Well, have, we'll, I know, we'll have to do a different episode the, on what that is. Oh, the, fir the first time the HR lady explained to me how the pension worked, I was like, no. That's that, like stealing. That can't be right. Surely that's not right. I said, no, I said, but like, but no, no. And she was like, no, no, that's how it works. And I was like, wow. It's like benefits. I'm like, sorry. I, like, what? You're allowed yeah. to do what now? Yeah, You're going to fix exactly. my back and my teeth Ex and my exactly. brain? Lord. But, I mean, the real privilege of being a senator isn't the salary and it isn't the pension. It's the opportunity to find out 
I mean, this is, this is every journalist's dream, to be able to find out the thing from the guy who knows the thing the best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I call people now, they, they rarely hang up on me, which is a pleasant change from from the old gig. It makes me think, to, to paraphrase a great, you know, that um, perhaps, you know, all good journalism, maybe all journalism starts with a sense of wonder, right? I mean, this is, yeah. this is the idea, that if you start from a sense of wonder, then... It makes for a wonderful career because, you know, you never know where it's going to take you. And that's part of the thing that I like about this job is that you wake up and you have some idea. Okay, here are the things I got to do today. But you're never really sure where they're going to take you, which leads me to my final question. And everybody gets this question. This is going to be the standard question for each episode of this podcast. Say you could design a perfect work day hmm. without constraints. This is your, your work utopia. The only constraint is that you've got to work, which a lot of people want to do anyway. What would that look like? Well, for me, the best work days are the ones where, God, this is going to sound hopelessly nerdy. Um, oh, please indulge. Where my perfect work day would have a chunk of time when I, where I was doing research and finding things out, um, whether that means going to the National Archives or uh, talking to lawyers on the phone. I mean, I love... I'm like I'm like the 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 marmos no not the marmoset what kind of animal is it in Tiki Tiki Tavi? Is he a marmoset? He likes to go and find out. Um, so I'm like Ricky Tiki Tavi. I, I must I must I must go and find out. It's one of Rudyard Kipling's animal oh, tales. Oh yes 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 okay. Um, uh, mongoose. He's a mongoose. the The motto of the mongoose family is go and find out. So, if I had a chunk of time to do research. And I don't mean just like, you know, reading a bill. That's not so exciting. But talking to talking to subject matter experts, maybe going, you know, where the original documents are. So it, there'd be a chunk of research. And then there'd be a chunk of writing. And then there would be a chunk of going to argue with people. <laughs> In the chamber outside the chamber at the pub? where, where it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't matter. Um, I would also... <sighs> I don't know why I'm not getting any thinner because God knows I never have time to eat in Ottawa. And um, uh, so, so time, I would like an actual lunch break mm-hmm. that was like a lunch break where I could have amusing conversation with people about the things I've been researching and, and writing about. Um, and at the end, I would really like to go to that Nordic spa in Chelsea. Oh yes, Nordique. The spa, spa Nordique. If spa I could, Nordique. if I, if I could end my perfect work day in, in the pools of the Spa Nordique, which I've only been able to visit once since I've been a senator in four years, but it's magical. This is the shame because now you can afford it, but you can't, you can't go because you don't have the time. Uh, yeah, no, it's. it's uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you ask me. Um, I love it when I have the chance to get my hands dirty and do the research. And even though I've got great researchers on staff, um, my least favorite work day would be the one where I have to attend a lot of meetings and forums on Zoom. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean like, I don't mean like this. This is No, this is obviously delightful. <laughs> but I mean, you know. Other people. Other, listening to, listening to other people talk on yeah. Zoom. It's not nearly as delightful as talking on Zoom myself. I know. Tell me about it. Well, if you ever want to have a lunchtime debate, I'm always keen. And uh, th- that's typically when I take an hour off to play Call of Duty. But if, if you ever would like, I'll, t- I'll make an exception. Or we can meet in the Call of Duty lobby 
and and we can debate whatever you'd like. I, no, I would... like I'm a cool senator. I'm on Mastodon now because, as yes. you know, you found me on Mastodon. Mm, I did indeed, and I found you. Um, you know, and I and I have uh, uh, what's it called? Not Discord. The other one. Um, and it's like Pokemon now. You've got to catch them all. No, There's I mean so I've got many, I've got uh, I've got the what's it called? Twitch. I've got a Twitch, Twitch. account. You've got a tw- um, you you're like a Twitch streamer now. No, I mean, I did it once because I had a, pl- a friend who wrote a play during the COVID lockdown that he produced on Twitch. And then you could you could make the characters do different things. That's fantastic. I think, tw- I think Twitch has huge unexplored potential as a narrative mm-hmm. medium for art. But I am not a gamer. So I cannot it's meet you in the late. Call of Duty. I cannot meet you in the Call of Duty lobby. When the Call of Duty comes to me, David, mm-hmm. I am in the lobby of the Senate. Oh, I love that. What a, what a fantastic <laughs> point on which to end. <laughs> That brings us to time. I could talk about this forever, but funny enough, I, um, I I know you've had a tremendous day, and would you believe I have f- four more hours of work today? Because I took a work break today to watch all of Prime Minister Trudeau's testimony at the Public oh, Order Emergency God, Commission. God, God bless you. Thank you for your service. So, no, I mean, I have to say, during during the lockdown times, when people would say to me, oh, you know, you must love it, having nothing to do. Well, first of all, I didn't have nothing to do, but... It drove me bananas. I really am a workaholic and and an extrovert. And so being stuck in the house with my husband and my dog, much though I love them, mm-hmm. for two years was a lot. Uh, so, you know, I actually, I, I need to work. Uh, I'm 58. And I'm hoping that the other great gift of the Senate is that I don't have to retire until I can't walk up the steps anymore. That's entirely reasonable. And I hope upon retirement from the Senate at 75, you'll consider perhaps some time in the House of Commons. Oh, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, well, there's still time to If, you know, I, I, I could be Lieutenant Governor, though. Oh, that would be such a good idea. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> if, if Alberta's... I have, I, have, I have another, you know, 18 years to yeah, serve. You got, okay, you've got some time left. <laughs> But so. we, alas, do not. But uh, but thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a fun conversation. As always, you say we're going to go 20 minutes and we go 30. Yeah, well, and I'm bad. I, no. I'm very, very, very big talker. I will be quiet now. Well, I'm, gl- I'm certainly glad you are. Um, you're a credit to, as I said, to the Senate and, and now to this podcast. So thanks once more. That's Senator Paula Simons, member of the Independent Senators Group Caucus. Former journalist, pod, not caucus, former podcast, or former journalist, podcast host, and all around extraordinary Canadian. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here in a month.